liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows just don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown with this very special guest, an author, an activist. You know her, you love her, Julia Song. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I think you have a really interesting story. I don't want to spend a ton of time because I, I know people get sick of going over their history, but having uh, come over from Brazil in, uh, what was it now, 2014, 15, something like that, um, your I know that your your mom was an attorney for the opposition to the Socialist Party, and and it seems to have really left an indelible mark on your character, giving you kind of a uh, a passion for freedom that is pretty pretty rare and pretty exemplary. Um, is that is that is it all about that? Because you seem to have a, a level of understanding about Austrian economics and things like that that is pretty rare. So I'm just curious, like, was it just upbringing, education? Was it experience? What what led you down this path? Um, okay, so that's a lot to unpack. It is. Let's, let's go with, um, okay, so let's go with the economics, because it was one of the things that kind of like, caught my attention. So, because, to just go over real quick, my mother uh, was an attorney for the Conservative Party. She wasn't necessarily political, but over there, you know, the, um, it, it is like a touristy town. So there's no big industries or anything. So you either work for tourism or you work for the government. So she found she wasn't necessarily an activist or anything. She basically just found employment working for the conservative party um, as a lawyer. And when the socialists took over, they basically, uh, you know, persecuted anybody who was part of the previous administration. And because of that, we went through, you know, several years of like homelessness and, and dealing with a lot of issues. Um, but to kind of like sum up, um, I felt, like, you know, at least back then, I felt that my mom was really stupid for being politics and that I was never going to get involved. And that was sort of like, you know, uh, Satan's lair. Like, I, I want to stay the heck away from that. And I can't believe my mother put us through this and went, went through that. Um, so I decided to have my own career away from politics. And I sort of stuck to that. So I have a, a long-standing career in um, corporate finance. I have a business degree. I have several professional certifications that are related to my field. So a lot of people ask me if I work in politics because I'm so involved. The answer is no. I'm trying to stay away from it. But I guess I'm learning a lesson that nowadays... It doesn't matter how much you try to stay away from it. If you dissent from the government just a little bit, they will find you and they will bring you out of wherever you're hiding. So I just, I didn't even want to get involved in political activism at all. 
but the situation after 16 years of, of leftism and socialism and, and everything that it was doing to us, to my family particularly, was so strong, so powerful negatively that I had to get involved. So I got involved there, got you know a lot of protests going, got a lot of, uh, I had a sort of like a, a, a social um, network of people that I would reach out to, I guess. I've always been a little bit out, you know, outspoken. So um, I took charge of that, got the people together. We were able to get, I think about in, in my hometown, which was extremely leftist, about 100,000 people on the streets. And we, we kept going, we kept doing that. Eventually, the president got impeached. And, you know, the movement sort of like lost steam. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, whatever. I don't want to keep pushing it. I moved to the United States. I never want to hear about politics again. It was just, it, to me, it sort of like was a stain that I wanted to wipe off and forget that it ever happened. Um, it was still something that I saw very negatively, but I felt like I needed to get involved. And then I got here and I just thought, you know, America is so free. Nothing is ever going to happen. Nothing ever like that is going to happen here. Everybody hates the communists, and et cetera. And then I learned that that wasn't true. Uh, a lot of the, you know, leading signs to the communist, the socialist takeover in Brazil, I was seeing here, I was seeing a lot of these, you know, these very important signs that you wouldn't necessarily notice unless you had seen them before, but I did. So I started writing about it, uh, posting about it, going on different shows and and TV shows and, and telling people about how really dangerous all those policies are and I met with other people from you know who escaped socialism in different countries like China, Venezuela, Cuba, Soviet Union, whatever. And everybody had the same story. Everybody had the same um, will to try to get people to understand that that was uh, you know a downward path that we were taking. But you know, nobody wanted to listen. So I guess here we are. And then here I am again. Here, here we are with the socialist takeover. Yeah, I always say to myself, man, I wish America was as good as foreigners think it is. You know, I wish that we valued freedom as much as all of the people that tried to immigrate here think we are. And uh, a similar story for me. I was an entrepreneur. I, I really wasn't interested in politics, even though I followed it pretty closely. I, I was never involved. I certainly never planned on doing a show to talk about this stuff. But Uh, eventually it became so overbearing and it became such a huge part of my life that I felt almost obligated to come out and start to speak very actively and angrily about what I was witnessing as an entrepreneur who had my business fucked with because of the lockdowns and things like that. I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to make this my mission is to try and try and heal this nation (laughs) as as outrageously outlandish of a goal as that is. That's kind of how I felt about it. Um, I know you've talked a lot about your 
your kind of concern about the fact that we, well, actually we didn't, we didn't get a, a direct answer. How in the hell did you come to understand economics the way I do? Because that's, that's not what's taught in colleges for the most part. Um, I'm curious as to how, like, did you go to a school that actually schooled you up on that, that level of, cause you sound like an Austrian economic person. And I know that's, that's more common in Brazil. I know there's like a, a movement there. Did you get that inspiration there? Or was that college in America that got you going? So I'm basically like mega mind when you put Nikola Tesla and like Einstein together. Um, if you look at my hair, it's sort of like Jimmy Neutron is like trying to take its own life or not take his own life like what what do you say like get its own life i think it's sort of like you know the the you see it's like everything about me is about attitude and energy and like dragon energy so it's sort of like i just receive the knowledge through osmosis and i oh, feel shit. like god enlightened my brain but if you would tell me like a little bit more specifically what type of knowledge you're looking to understand more about, I could tell you where I got it from. But overall, I think it's just, you know, from a very, very select line of ancestors that was, uh, you know, carefully crafted towards, um, you know, producing a genius brain and offspring. So Interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the reason I'm asking is because I've heard you talk about, you know, um, any competitive practices, how, how the uh, big business utilizes its leverage, its money, its lobbying power to create any competitive practices for small entrepreneurs. Um, I've heard you talk about inflation. I've heard you talk about um, basically how we exist under oligopolies and crony capitalism. I mean, th this is language that is right out of, you know, Misesian economics and Rothbard, the whole Austrian wing of things and i'm just curious if if you're of that school or if you just truly pick this up through osmosis over time uh osmosis yeah you, you know wow you're, you got it you're very unique that's that's super unusual because almost you. no almost no one i know um talks how you do without having read that stuff so that's that's fascinating um so i went like you know i don't know if you've seen it like goku when he's trying to get the janky dama where he puts his, his hands up, whatever, let's, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so it seems that you're, you're most interested in, in blazing your own trail. Uh, you, you told me that you, you landed in Florida, you ended up in, was it North Carolina? And then you went to Tennessee. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Are you just in search for um, that you know, that, uh, that fictional Liberty that is supposed to exist in America. Why, why are you continuing to migrate to different States? So Florida was sort of like where I landed. So I needed to get on my feet. I needed to get a job and then I needed to go to school and, um, I needed to stay a few years in my job. So it wouldn't look like I'm a crazy rebel person, you know, moving from stuff to stuff. Right. So I had all of that in mind uh, and then I needed to get a house so that I could, you know, live in it. And then over, over time, I, you know, sort of like prepared myself to make this move. So about two years of, you know, had passed since I, I got my first job. I think, I think I moved from Florida after 
three or four years living there. And then I wanted to go somewhere that was, you know, cold, but not too uh, liberal. And I basically stopped at Virginia, but Virginia to me seemed too liberal. And I didn't know anything about North Carolina, but I thought North Carolina, you know, probably very conservative. So I moved there and to my surprise, uh, it was, uh, um, never mind. So I, you know, I got, got my stuff up and moved to Tennessee and Tennessee has been a little bit better on me. It has constitutional carry. It was one of the first states to get rid of the, all the COVID uh, BS. And in addition to that, I live by the mountains. So it's sort of like still a very rural area. And it, it sort of like speaks to me. Because mm-hmm. I like to be in the woods all the time. Sure. Well, that, those are, I mean, the two, the three options I'm considering are Texas, Florida, and Tennessee. So that's why I was asking. I just want to see if there's like a reason Florida turned you off. Um, but it sounds like you were just trying to get a little bit different climate. Um, yeah, what- no, uh, I come from the, my hometown is right by the equator. So Florida was not something that, and I needed to go somewhere colder. I've been, you know, overheated all my life. <laughs> and on the way to work one time I had, you know, this, the high heels and, you know, pointy shoes. I don't know what they call those here. Um, but I was getting back to work from my lunch break and uh, a snake chased me. And there was an alligator in the covered garage. And I felt like in the mosquitoes, the mosquitoes are so bad. <laughs> so I just, you know, <laughs> got to go. Um, so I'd like you to tell us or tell me about the uh, the telltale signs of socialism that you are seeing in America for, I mean, I, I know of a few that I could point out, but I, I, you know, having lived under some semblance of it, I would like to know what you're seeing in our current modern politics that are giving you such pause and why sh- people should pay attention. Oh, um, it's, it's past that. It's, we're, we're way past that. Um, I think we're in it and we sort of like have to write it. I don't think that there is a, a way to prevent it because we're, it's sort of like the way that they set things in motion, I guess, you know, let's not, I, I hate to speak like that. This sounds like uh, I'm a conspiracy theorist, crazy person, tinfoil hat, but the way that they set things in motion is that it, it, it happens slowly in the background. And then eventually when you least imagine like snap, it's here. So the lockdowns were the snap. And it's just, the only thing that's gonna happen is that it's gonna get worse. Um, inflation, economy, violence, all of that, you know, those, those things are gonna get worse. So I guess I would move from telltales of sign of signs of socialism to probably like writing a book, like surviving socialist socialism for dummies or surviving socialism 101. Like, I don't know how to, you know, wipe your neighbor and 
get their food. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of like, to me, I I feel like I have a very, um, I want to say realistic view of where things are going because I don't think ever in history, whenever socialists, because they prepare themselves, because they put all these laws in place, because they take positions of power, because they do things like, you know, uh, having taking complete ownership of, of federal law enforcement, um, the education system, pushing all those things like, you know, kids in, in the public school, they have been indoctrinated. A lot of us don't really know what kind of books the kids are reading, what kind of history is being taught. And so, for example, in Brazil, I was taught that at any time, any day, America could invade Brazil because um, Americans were evil and greedy and capitalist, and they wanted to take our stuff. So we were sort of like taught to hate America, dislike America, distrust America. I never, ever, ever thought that I would end up in America. Um, but it, it's, it's sort of like all of these things, you know, the, the, how the military has been softened, how the, the surveillance systems have been, you know, turned towards domestic surveillance versus international surveillance. So it's, it's just a lot of these things have been put in place over time for several years now. And when you think about it, it's like, basically you fall into the spider web and you, you just, you know, there's nowhere to go. You're stuck. So I do believe that we can, you know, fight it and get out of it eventually. Um, but I, I do think we're about to, you know, dive into this wave and hopefully it will, teach a lot of people a lot of things and things don't change unless people are put in a position of becoming uncomfortable uh, unless things I'm like sitting um, unless things are taken away from people so a lot of people have lost their jobs a lot of people are losing their um, bodily autonomy a lot of people are losing their ability to speak freely a lot of people are losing a lot of things and they're going to keep losing things until like, like what happened to you and what happened to me and whether feel like they have to speak out and they have to stand up for what we believe in. So if we get enough people doing that, then we can probably, you know, before it gets too crazy. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by our friends over at the Daily Job Hunt. If you are in jeopardy of losing your job for the vaccine passport or for any other reason, or if you simply want to get a better station in life, if you want to be a higher income earner, if you just want to pursue that job of your dreams, now's your chance. There are millions of job openings that are left unaddressed with almost no applicants whatsoever. This is your opportunity because unemployment insurance, things of that nature are running out. Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up for the daily job hunt. It is a once daily newsletter that hits your inbox every morning, gives you some information, inspiration, gets you jacked up, gets you going to go find that job of your dreams to improve your life. And it's free. What are you waiting for? 
Go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up for the daily job hunt newsletter. Sure. Well, that, that's my hope too. I mean, that's exactly why I speak out is I hope that I can galvanize the troops, so to speak, and get get people to voice their opposition because I believe that there are far more people that see the world the way you and I do, and they are cowed. They don't believe that they actually have any allies in this fight. They believe that they're such a minority that there's no hope in speaking out. Um, do you tend to believe that, or do you think that it's truly the majority of this country that supports big government and the surveillance state and suppression and all that? Oh, no, I believe in the fight. If I, if I didn't believe in the fight, I wouldn't be putting myself out here. Um, I think that there's a lot of things that you still stand to lose when you go against government, especially big governments, and especially facing all the persecution that I did as a child, you know, as a, as a child of my mother, sort of like through osmosis um, right. by proxy. But it's it's basically I I sort of like know what's to lose even more. There's always more that you can lose, right? And so even when you don't think there is, so the government is is, is always going to keep pushing. If you dissent a little bit, if you don't follow their agenda a hundred percent, just just dissent one little bit, they'll come for you. So knowing that. Um, and, and we've seen this happen with like uh, Roger Stone, General Flynn, whatever. They got bankrupted. Their houses got raided. Even other people like um, there's this kid, Duncan, something I forgot. His Duncan Lamp, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got it. So, you know, there's a lot to lose. But if I didn't believe it, if I didn't have hope, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking this thing. I wouldn't be putting myself out there. Sure. So I think there's enough, enough of us. There's a lot of us. But what you have to understand is that the government is made out of very uh, smart people and powerful people. And so they know that you and I are going to talk. So what do they do? They take your channel out of YouTube. They take my page out of the biggest social medias. They put articles out there saying, you know, the, the sky is pink and the grass is orange. And if you don't believe that, right. then you're freaking racist. <laughs> Whatever, right? Yeah, no, you're so, right. That's, that's what they do now. It's, it's sort of like it, it's designed to wear you out to bring you down, to make sure you feel like you're all alone. And so when they say things like 80% of the U.S. is vaccinated or, you know, just the minority or extremists or racist, whatever, they're trying to make it seem like it's just a little bit of people. It's not. I, I do believe that we're like, if not the majority, like, almost but I, I still think that there's a lot of people who need to be uh shaken up to this reality america has seen a lot of good times and that leads to weak people and so a lot of people don't know conflict i've been to africa i've been to the Middle east i've been to several you know extremely dangerous places and so i know what's out there and i know what we have here 
-hmm. And so a lot of people don't. And they need to be shaken up. They need to be put into a place where they will lose some of their confidence so that they can wake up. And so, you know, we just basically have to sort of, I think at this time, we have to prepare ourselves, like, you know, emotionally making sure that we are aware of what's to happen um, physically sort of, um, you want to make sure things are going to get more violent, right? Especially as you take away people's jobs, as you import millions and millions and millions of people who come here from different countries, we don't know who they are. Um, You know, Haiti is, I've I've dealt with, you know, having to, uh, people that I was working with in, you know, in in missions and stuff like that, being kidnapped, all sorts of like security risks that Haiti posed. Um, and now we have all these caravans of uh, able-bodied young men coming here. We don't know who they are, right? Hopefully they're, they're nice people, but maybe they're not. Right. We're having a, a hundred thousand people from Afghanistan and there's no time to assimilate them. And all of that is, is absolutely by design. In Brazil, we were importing people from the Guianas. We were importing people from Cuba. We were importing people from all these different countries. Even though the country was the, the country itself was in shambles, Brazil. So, um, you know, in, in the sense of like, from where I come from, and uh, my sort of my perspective on this fight is that I'm so thankful to America that I don't want people to go through what I had to go through. And I think that naivety and uh, innocence, whatever, is actually a good trait for most people in society to have. Because once you endure a a certain level of violence, you become a different person, right? And that type of person, if we have the majority of society like that, it, it, it goes down very quickly. Mm-hmm. So we want people to have this goodwill, this communal goodwill. So I don't want these things to happen to people here. So I think, but, you know, like that, like that girl, uh, Molly Tibbetts and several other people who get, you know, killed by illegal aliens. And that's just, you know, it, it's going to get worse. We're importing people and we have less jobs. We're importing people and we have a worse economy. These people don't speak English. What are they going to do? What are they going to work? Are they going to do slave labor? The way that we operate, our brains operate, is different. They're going to see something and they're going to think, you know, and, and a lot of the times we are indoctrinated to perceive having money as a bad thing. Because the government doesn't want us to look at the government. So it turns it against each other. Mm-hmm. So it says, for example, the reason why you're poor is not because the government is taking away all of your money. It's because rich people are too greedy and evil. And so you start to hate rich people. Because, you know, you blame them for what's happening to you. 
And mm -hmm. then eventually, as everybody gets poor, a richer person is somebody who has 10 bucks in their wallet if I don't have it. And so when you, when you see it like that, I'm not, let's say I'm going to rob you, right? I don't see it as I am doing this to get your money. I'm seeing this with a sort of like vengeance perspective. Right. You, like you, you have my money. You put me in this position. You, you and, and these type of people, you are the colonizers, right? You are the type of people who put us down, who kept us down. You're the type of person that uh, took away all my opportunities. So I'm not going to just rob you. I'm going to rob you and then I'm going to shoot you in the face. So it's, it, you know, I say these things and people think that it's um, uh, too much, but it is, it is so basic, so basic. It's a basic reality. And so I think that, you know, it's important that I, I bring this up here on your channel because I, I haven't necessarily brought it up anywhere else. But um, people need to know that that's coming and they need to stay safe. And they need to know, you know, if you're going somewhere, what are you gonna do? What are some of your exit routes? What are, because you can't do anything from six feet under, right? You have to stay sure. alive in order to make a difference. So, you know, I, I want to avoid bad things happening to people. So I want people to have this type of mentality that as the economy gets worse, as things get, things get worse, we're importing people who don't assimilate to our country, who don't even speak the language. People really need to, uh, you know, look over their shoulders. I mean, just, just stay aware. It's like a spatial awareness. Mm -hmm. So that they stay safe, so that they can keep fighting, right? Yep. Um, I think liberals are just too naive of people to the point where it's, it's like a net negative. Mm -hmm. Well, like you said, there is a level of sweetness to that. But ultimately, if you have people that are behaving nefariously to kind of destroy your country from within, if you're not, if you're not cognizant, if you're not aware of your surroundings, um, if you're not aware that, that great evil is possible, um, you're going to be a victim to it. So like, yes, I try and I try and give people the benefit of the doubt and I still try and be kind and look after, for, look after others. But simultaneously, I am becoming more paranoid of of people's intents and things like that, because you're absolutely right. There has been a programming over the past, you know, couple decades, particularly the past decade, that's been very severe where they have taught uh, an entire generation of young people that anyone with wealth is your enemy. And that essentially you can do whatever you want to them. And as someone with wealth, um, I have to take that threat seriously, uh, regardless of how misguided and unfounded their beliefs are. It doesn't Wait, matter. So you have money. What's that? Where, where, wait till you have money. Where, where are you at again? Where, where are you at? Where is your, do you have any cameras? Wait, what? Are you threatening to rob me, dear? <laughs> I am in Miami currently. That is the extent of the address I will give you. Um, so yeah, these are these are my concerns. Uh, I really think the trajectory of things here is one, like you said, it's it's too late to look for the signs of incoming socialism. We exist under it already. And I'm very, I'm very concerned that it will become violent. That your point about how things 
need to be hard for people to wake up. What blows my mind is that the lockdowns haven't seemed to wake people up. It seems as if the vaccine mandates are starting to. Um, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that people are waking up now or do we still have more time and more worsening of the situation to go before people start to see what we see? So you mentioned what, what neighborhood did you mention? <laughs> um, I'm in Miami, dear. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, just to touch back on, on your point of, you know, having people indoctrinated on hating each other, you can see that very clearly when people like AOC goes out and wears a dress and texts the rich. You can tax the rich, but the rich already pay a lot of tax. My question is, where's that tax money going to? Right. You know, we have trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars coming in at any given time. Why are we spending all that money on wasteful wars, on, on, on all kinds of sort of different things? Those are, you know, that's the money that's already there. Why aren't we? we're going to keep bringing money in and then flushing it down the toilet. Right. You, you're sort of like making it seem like the rich don't want to pay taxes and the rich are responsible for every infrastructure problem in the, in the country. Right. And so then next you have, and, and that's sort of what they do, they do. They divide us into little sections to the point where you can't even identify with your neighbor anymore. Because if I, you know, back in the day, if you voted left and I voted right, we still, you know, would respect that. We would be friends, we'll have our differences, but we would interact as human beings. But now that they're putting everybody into such specific boxes, I am transgendered, non-binary, this and that and blah, blah, blah. It, it gets to a point where you're not identifying with anyone but yourself. And so everybody becomes that person who's trying to take from you. Um, the unvaccinated become the people who are trying to take away from the vaccinated, uh, take away from their health. You, you, know, you, you start to pit people against each other in all sorts of, all, all sorts of different ways. White people versus black people. Uh, you know, whatever. Everybody ends up hating each other. Um, when when you talk about you know issues like racism, I could be as racist as I want. I do not have the power to do anything to keep black people down. I do not. Those people in power right there, they're using, they're they're wearing the the African garbs and they're doing all of that but they actually have power to uplift people from poverty. Why aren't they doing it? So you ought to be care? looking at, absolutely. You ought to be looking at those people. Yeah. What do you care if somebody is, is, is obnoxious to you on Twitter? That, people, that person can do anything against you. They have absolutely no power. It's just to deflect, to take away from you looking at the government. And I forgot your question. I don't even know. That was a beautiful answer, though. I think you're absolutely right. What they're doing is they're dividing us not just on on race, but also on privilege versus none, our sexuality, and now our vaccination status. Um, 
I, I think this, this is a red line. I think this is something that we cannot allow in this nation. I think that any people, any freedom-loving people cannot allow their, their bodily autonomy and their medical privacy to be superseded for the, the quote-unquote greater good, which, as we all know, that's bullshit anyways. But um, do you view that threat as seriously as I do? Do you think that that, is, that has the potential for hot conflict in this country? Because I genuinely believe if you make it so that 10 or 15% of this country are no longer able to get jobs, they're no longer to eat out at restaurants in the towns that they live in, that you will have alienated and radicalized them to a point of being truly dangerous um, and probably right, righteously so. Uh, do you think that's intentional? Do you think I'm overstating it? Uh, go ahead and drink your water and then let me know what you think. <laughs> I am OCD. And now, I've, like, my mind is driving me nuts. So really, really try to remember what was that question that you asked me? Because oh, I'm shit. like, you know, if I don't know. But I'll, I'll answer to this question. Okay. Um, I think that it's going to go a little bit farther than that. And it's, you know, they really don't care. They're talking about putting at least half the, so at least half the country sort of voted for Trump. If you think about those people, you know, the majority of them are unvaccinated. The majority of them are going to lose their job. jobs. We're talking about millions and millions of people. But in America, because we haven't had conflicts, a lot of people have a certain level of safety net that they can rely on when it comes to like family members and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know conflicts and they haven't necessarily seen conflicts. So I think that the conflict that's going to happen is going to be at, a, at a, an urban level at first, like what I mentioned to you, a heightened level of violence. Like you can see that nowadays already in several cities in America, you can see that in Chicago, you can see that it's in St. Louis. It's going to get much worse and it's going to get much more common in cities across America. I think that a lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to be victimized by all of that. I think that crime is going to go up. I think that people are going to get even more fed up and even more hit against each other. Mm -hmm. And at that point, maybe something will happen. But I think we're still a lot of ways away from that because most folks don't necessarily understand the concept of violence or, or what it takes or what it takes away from you. So it's like, remember what I said, that when something really bad happens, you change, you need that sort of change in order to contemplate something like being okay with a civil war. And that only happens once you undergo a certain situation and you survive it. So I think that, you know, you have to become a more uh, cold and calcul calculating person. It, you know, war is something that most people aren't necessarily prepared for even though they might think that they are oh yeah um no it entails people dying it entails people being persecuted it entails people being put into camps and put away and just disappearing people it, you know the, the the biggest thing is not necessarily people being killed but people disappearing right they just get you out of there and and one of the the ways that it's easier for them to do that um, 
it's through uh, first silencing you on social media so that you don't have any more reach. Then they mm-hmm. come down using things like using legitimate excuses. Like for example, that, that's what they say, it's a long way coming. Um, they try to legitimize their takeaway, their takeover as much as possible. Right. So they're trying to put out bills, put out laws, put out all kinds of stuff to legitimize what they're doing, like, like in Australia. So with the red flag laws, they can say, you know, she said something on social media, she posted a joke, uh, her neighbor said she's not fine in the head or she was seen crying, she's probably depressed or, you know, we have a lot of veterans in our country who are suffering from post um, uh, traumatic stress disorder, whatever. And, and they have, you know, to take medication for depression, for anxiety, et cetera. Those are the first people that are going to get their guns taken away from them. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and it's going to happen. Like a lot of folks are like, they can come and take it. You know, they're not sad before my house. <laughs> they are. They are. Right. They are. Um, well, th- this is exactly what they're, this is what they're doing with the, the homegrown uh, terrorism bill that that people don't know this, but by Joe Biden's first day in office, he passed a domestic extremism uh, memorandum where he basically said that people that are libertarians, people that are, you know, Trump supporters, election deniers, all this other nonsense, they are they are laying the groundwork for legitimate not legitimate from our perspective, but legitimate under the criminal law perspective, they can just absorb us. They can just take us off the streets. So you're absolutely right. If they have already eliminated you from all social media and then they go, oh, well, this guy was saying crazy shit to a neighbor and now we have this red flag law and now he's not vaccinated and now blah, 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 blah. And now they have a legitimate framework by which they can actually remove you from society. I I think this this is very dangerous. Do you have any estimate as to when they start to actually do stuff like that or is it just a matter of time and you can't really know? Um. I think very soon. Um, I think that they're trying to sort of like pilot it hmm. um, with different people. And it, it sort of like also works to make an example out of folks. So with the Duncan guy, right? Um, I don't know if people know his story. He posted on social media, the police, you know, he posted some BS on social media. Police went there, killed him in his sleep. Y'all can look it up. Um, you know, with, with Roger Stone or, or what they're doing, they're, we have about 60 people in arrested undergoing solitary confinement in DC right now. Um, a lot of them have absolutely no, you know, history of violence. There's no evidence of violence. That's they're true. still being held. Um, what they did to Roger Stone, there's, you know, at, at the crack of dawn, they show up to this 70-year-old man's house, you know, barge in 20 heavily armed men with, you know, anti-tank type of vehicles showing up to your door, heavily, heavily, heavily armed with technology they could only ever dream of having coming down from the, from the roof, 
coming through your front door, coming through his wife, who she is uh, deaf. She was, you know, had to get out of the house, confused, 5 a.m., barefoot onto the streets. All that because he may be lied to the Congress. Um, yep. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, so it, it's... It's obvious that they're pers- they're persecuting political dissidents already, and and then you have you have people who like Fauci, who has made a career over the past eighteen months of lying to Congress, who still has his job. No prosecution there. Yeah. Not only does he have his job, but he makes more money than Joe Biden. That right. was amazing. Well, his salary, in fairness, he in is fairness, the highest paid. Yeah, his salary, yes, but I, I would imagine the Biden family has made way more off of their political connections than. Uh, than Fauci, but you never know. Fauci's Fauci's got patents and all sorts of things with uh, biopharma. So who knows who's actually profited more off of this? Um, well, that's for sure. I mean, uh, at least his son, who is a very very talented um, artist, is making a lot of money <laughs> selling his little stick figure paintings for five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, makes yeah. a ton of, makes a ton of sense. Definitely, definitely nothing nefarious happening there. I mean, th- this is the thing that drives me crazy is that as we look around, for anyone who's awake at all, the the criminality, the corruption, the the just I don't even know, I don't even know the words to give it. Just the the deepest, darkest, most blatant, obvious corruption and and yet still People believe that there are political solutions to this, that you can vote our ways out of this. And, and to me, the, the answer is so clearly that this, the ship has sailed on that. Do you, what do you think? Well, you can't really hope that the system is going to save you from the system. The system has so many, you know, like, like I mentioned, it's like a web. When you get mm-hmm. one string out of you, you're tied to another. You have all these different judges, you know, a lot of those are political positions. If you think about school boards, there's a lot of organizations that are funding campaigns to school board people for people to get into the school boards. There's the the district attorney. A lot of the district attorney races are being funded by leftist organizations like that, which is owned by George Soros. So you have them uh, putting a lot of money into influencing local politics on a local state uh, county level and so you know you you can't really expect the system to save you from the system and just just sort of like conclude on that thought that i was putting out a little earlier please i will um (laughs) a lot of people think if they come here, I'll just shoot them, right? But think about what they did to Roger Stone. If they come down from the roof, they already have intelligence. They already have all, all, all of that. They know what time you get up, what time you get your coffee. They know all of that, right? So when they come to your house, you're not going to know. It's going to be at the crack of dawn. You're not going to know how many men are out there. They're all dressed in, in you know, black masks, whatever. They're come kicking in the door. That's where we have the, the no, um, no, knock no warrants, no knock rates. Yeah. 
come kicking the door, you have your wife screaming, your kids screaming. This, you know, this is drywall. This is not bulletproof. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Start, start a firefight? You don't even know how many people are out there, right? right? You just woke up, you still got, you know, crossing your eyes. So it's, it's, we want to stop it before it gets to that point, right? Well, we won't know that it's getting to that point if they keep silencing us. Mm. We're just, you know, they took away, they took off um, Owen Troyer from social media. And now he is having to deal with the feds. They keep taking people. And, and you don't know. You're like, my God, this person just, I haven't heard from them. And then sometimes you go, look, and their account's still alive. They're still posting. They've just been censored like shadow banned. Right. But sometimes they're gone. You don't know how long they've been gone. You don't know what's been up, happening to them. Um, there is a, a, a gentleman, and, and I say this with, you know, very specific examples as well of things that are actually happening. That's why I say that they're piloting it. They're trying it at this point with actual people to see if it sticks, right? So there's this man, can't remember his name. He was being represented by uh, Marina Medvin. She's an attorney. And you, y'all can look that up, as I'm sure you will. Where's your sources? Where's the link? Give me the link. Um, can I just say quickly I, that I love that a, a Brazilian now says y'all. I think that's great. Brazilian accent? No, you said y'all, though. I just think that's awesome that you've ad- uh, adopted y'all. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Anywho, she's representing this gentleman. He went to the January 6th rally. You know, with very old, unhealthy, let's put it that way, type of grandpa. But he wanted to show up. He wanted to be there for his country. The crowd kept moving, and so did he. Eventually, they got close enough to the Capitol, and one of the people, I think it was one of the people on the protesting side, um, threw out a little um, um, tear gas thing. Uh, as we've seen, you know, a lot of those people have been identified as, as even being leftists or Antifa or agitators, which is a, a very, very strong characteristic of socialist governments is that anytime you have a movement, they will plant agitators to try to get the public view to look at the, the protests as, as a bad thing. It's were Anyway. This gentleman inhaled the tear gas. He was overweight, had heart issues, had asthma, etc. He started passing out. He dropped to the ground. The Capitol Police brought him inside the building and administered, you know, medical help or medical um, help. Help. I'm just like tripping over that one question that I just can't remember. I know it's okay. Anyway, um, 
they administer medical help, save the man's life. And then he got a call later on that he was being looked at by the feds. He was charged and with, with I think, I think he was charged with like maybe a couple counts of like trespassing and stuff like that. Um, and he died without ever, uh, you know, recently passed away because of his health, uh, without ever seeing a solution. He died as an enemy of this country. And I think he's even a, a veteran and, and served, and, but he died as an enemy. He died as a, as a, as a traitor to the, his country. And he was being, you know, very much harassed by the feds. He wasn't allowed to speak because the judge had put a gag order onto the, the, the court proceedings, which is unbelievably irritating to me. me like, like what they did with, with Roger Stone. Yeah. He couldn't speak because the judge put a gag order on him. It's, it's uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I was it's, under it's the impression this was freaking America. Oh, yeah, it's not a free country. When you have gag orders for people who are uh, facing political charges, and those are crystal clear politically charged um, charges, and it's just it's just horrifying. Yeah, it's it, it is horrifying. But um, if you complain about it, then you you end up in jail, and then now you're you're even more gagged. Um, and so so there's nowhere else to run. There's nowhere else to hide. And if you keep waiting for that time when they'll come to our, your door and try to get your guns, whatever, at that point, things are going to be so, their power is going to be so solidified that you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Um, I'm wondering if, okay, my, I just got to like, the little pink thing that it needs charged. So I may need to oh, go we're, we're, on. We're wrapping right now anyway. So it's okay. I, I agree with you. I, and for the record, I, I'm not, I'm not calling for, you know, violent defensive of ourselves at this point. I'm just saying, I think that political solutions are kind of off the table. It would, it would behoove us to, to move and be amongst people that see the world the way we do. If you're, if you're a person that's listening to this right now and you're behind quote unquote enemy lines living in California or New York or Chicago or any of these places that, that don't give a fuck about your freedom. I don't know. I don't understand what you're doing there. Like I, I don't know why you're not looking at the same things Julie and I have and starting to migrate your way towards Texas, Tennessee, Florida, any of these states that are, are trying to stand up for people that still value liberty. And I think that's probably our best hope in the short term. Uh, do you think that there's any other advice you give people before we head out? Yeah, yeah. Um, so let me, because of the OCD, let me finish. Please. Uh, okay. If you wait for that time when they're going to come to your door, it's going to be too late because nobody's going to be there for you, right? If you wait for a time where they have come for me, they have come for you, they have come for people who speak out because that's who they're going to come for first, then they're going to come for other people, other folks. And so if you wait for that time, and 
I don't know the answer. Like people seem to think it's civil war. I think we're far from that still, but the system's not gonna save you from the system as the system stands. So we need to figure out what we're gonna do to enact changes, to make sure that these organizations are revamped. We have a Congressman Massey, he just um, put out a bill to, what, what do they call it? Uh, basically like kill, you know, here I am, kill, 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 kill. Uh, the the uh, Federal Department of Education, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about these institutions as they are, the, the, the web is so thick that, you know, one leeches off of the, uh, the other that a lot of these institutions need to be gone. On a federal level, a lot of them need to be gone. Um, We need to look at our states and figure out what we need to do. We are a federation. We shouldn't be, you know, our states should have power to decide what's going to happen within the states, not let federal government take over everything. Because when they do, that's another sign of socialism is when they try to consolidate the power take the power away from states and consolidate it at a federal level so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. So do I have, my goodness, where do you think we are? Okay, where do I think we are? I think we need to figure out exactly what we're gonna do to change these institutions and get rid of the system and reimagine it. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but we need to start thinking about it. And then advice to people, okay, got it. See, I'm paying attention. Good job. Um, Thank you. Um, Advice to the people. I don't know what's gonna happen, but you need to make sure that you take care of yourself. There's a lot of people that I've seen now, and I don't know about you, um, a lot of people that I've seen within the conservative movement, a little bit starting to like clench my jaw, that they're only now, they're looking to getting guns or shooting or learning. Uh, you need to learn how to defend yourself. You need to learn about spatial awareness. You need to learn, you know, if somebody were to come into my house, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? You need to think about things like that. Um, you know, if the government's going to take my job, what am I going to do? I need to put some money away. I need to invest in something. I need to have all these different plans, right? Because when shit hits the fan, the unprepared go first. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to go first. You want the haters and the losers to go first. So don't be a hater and don't be a loser. (laughs) I love it. Well, um, please follow her on Twitter at Real Julia Song. You are the dragon lady herself. Uh, truly a brilliant mind. I, I really do think that you're, you're a very interesting person and I, I gained a lot from this conversation. So I really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to tell people? Um, no. In, in terms of like where to follow you and stuff like that? You can follow me everywhere. Uh, is Real Julia Song everywhere. So if you go on Carbon, uh, if you go on... Um, Twitter, if you go on, I have all these alternative social medias like Mastodon, um, Telegram. So 
it's all Jojo song, so you can follow me wherever you're at, um, except for like Facebook okay? or Instagram. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the same not. way. Or TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Julia. It was, it was great talking to you. Bye, everyone. Shout out to all the new listeners. Hopefully got some no agenda peeps coming over after Adam Curry came on. What an, an amazing experience that was to get to talk to him. Uh, as they say with value for value model, if you guys enjoy this show, if you want to help me grow it, good starting point, just leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. That's always a big help. And if you really want to support the show, you can go to libertylockdown.locals.com to sign up and become a subscribing member to that page over there, the fan page. So, you know, I'll do AMAs, I'll do special exclusive content, and you guys can get it all there. And it doesn't cost you much, but it helps to grow the show. Any revenue I get right now, I am pumping it all right back into growth. I am not, like, pocketing millions here, folks. This is a, this is what they call a, uh, a, a I don't know, bare knuckles. <laughs> I don't know what saying I'm looking for. I'm too tired. Anyways, um, also, if you want to support the show, uh, you could also subscribe to my Twitter. It's at Liberty Lockpod or on Instagram, Liberty Lockdown. Tomorrow, Josh Denny. After that, we got Zuby and, psh, I mean, it goes crazy. Dave Rubin, bunch of bunch of juggernauts coming in. Don't miss it. Let's go. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown, please scan your barcode, your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold, where did it come from and where did it go, it requires a fight, not tweet from your phone, don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne, if you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home, the virus is scared of, will come and it'll go, the government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe, like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening, scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine, a typo with Luke might bring the nooses, we all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses, freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit, knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic I ripped for 59 Miles to ratio That black guns matter Now all these lefties Got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war But we're ready You know I be bopping And rock steady Liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus is scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows Just don't get treated like a hoe